a first-hand account from a stalker's point of view makes us wonder, maybe, maybe I should never leave my house. Maybe I should be hiding here forever. And then we travel to Florida to take a look at a little girl out playing at the playground of her school. She was hoping to just jump on the monkey bars, maybe swing on a swing. Instead, she came face to face with a race of alien flowers. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. For some reason, I decided to eat a cup like a literal measuring cup of almonds, and then I go, I'm going to record a podcast, and now my mouth is all dry, it's all salty, little bits of almond everywhere, but someone who's always willing to clean my teeth, walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now, is one of our newest Patreon supporters, everyone give it up for Gutter, woohoo, yeah, come on in, ooze on into here, I don't think he's an actual Gutter, although that would be really cool. A gutter came to life. It became sentient. And the first thing it does is join my Patreon. Gutter, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, that's totally fine. It's so hard to concentrate with all this almond in my mouth. If you guys can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Gutter, let's go ahead and toss you a steam shovel and a little engineer cap, a little wooden whistle. Everyone hop on board the carpenter caboose. We're going to chew, chew, chew all the way out of Dead Rabbit Command. To a local grocery store. Chugga 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 chugga. Gutter is leading us down the tracks. And actually, as we're headed there, I wanted to say this. I talk about this website all the time on the show. It's called Phantoms and Monsters. It's a great website. They put out maybe five or six articles a day. Well, the mastermind behind Phantoms and Monsters, Lon Strickler. A lot of you guys are aware of Lon Strickler as well. He's written a ton of stuff. He's one of the biggest and I feel most underrated paranormal researcher out there he is going into surgery he's having lung surgery so thoughts and prayers and healing energy to Lon Strickler if you're a fan of Dead Rabbit Radio trust me you're a fan of Lon Strickler great great repository of paranormal stuff so yeah just I'm wishing him the best he's going to be out of commission for a while He's going to be out of commission for a while, but hope hoping for a speedy recovery, Lon. Seriously, what a great resource. And you know what sucks? So I've, I'm doing a pretty good job at it, but I'm trying to death-proof the podcast. Because he, here's the way that... <laughs> I know that's kind of a sad segue. Lon's like, wait, what? I'm not going to die, bro. I personally have seen entire paranormal repositories just disappear. The Shadowlands, apparently, was down for a while. The Shadowlands.net, which is, I mean, at this point, almost 15, 20 years of ghost stories, user-submitted ghost stories, that was down for a while. That was brought back to life. Um, There were podcasts that I listened to that had 100 or so episodes of paranormal content, and then the people just quit, and they stopped paying their hosting fee, and it's all gone. So, and that sucks. See, YouTube, the videos stay up until YouTube deletes the channel or someone else deletes the channel. But when it, a podcast, once the bills stop getting paid, it gets shut down. Like, they remove everything. 
So I'm currently in the process of death-proofing the podcast, right? So getting all of my stuff up onto the Internet Archive, Wayback Machine, all of these things, because that would suck, right? To have all of this stuff just go away. I obviously have backups of it, but... It's a it's a real phenomenon, and it would suck if you lose somebody like a lawn strickler. Again, wishing you the best, wishing you the best. Quit saying I'm going to die. How long would years and years and years of all those stories stay up online before eventually the hosting service cancels it? Or it It's crazy. It's crazy to think about because this is real research. This show's goofy, but the articles that I source are real research. Real work done. There have been times I've gone back to check something out and the website that I cited is gone. Not like conformers, aliens, the government is trying to suppress the information. They just didn't pay their hosting bill. And so there are websites that I've personally backed up just in case. Think about it, docs.com. I have an entire mirror of that site on my computer just in case. Because that is, again, decades of research. Think about it, docs.com. TheShadowlands.net, I have a backup of that. So we really want these researchers, we really want these websites to stick around. So Dead Rabbit Radio, we're death-proofing it. So if something happened to me, the show will still be there. But I know this was supposed to be wishing Lon the best than we do, but all I do want to, yeah, we have to appreciate the paranormal. And again, I'm talking less about the show. We're going to be fine, but... All these other paranormal resources. There's a really cool, I'll put it in the show notes. I don't refer to it that much because it's so vast. Just like Phantoms and Monsters. I've visited the website for years, but only recently I've have I been including a bunch of stories because they put out so much stuff. There's a website called the Encyclopedia of Cryptids that's been around for years. And then the guy said, hey, I'm having some problems. I'm going to take a break. And he's never returned. And you think, what happens when this website goes down? I don't know this is super depressing. Okay, okay. Anyways, I have a backup of that as well. But I'll put the link in the show notes. We really love these repositories. We really love the work you do, Lon. And all the other paranormal researchers out there. Hope you live a long life. Gutter. Let's go ahead and stop this train right outside of this grocery store. And we all jump out. We're all walking around. Why am I putting, I just was about to put more almonds in my mouth. We jump out of the train, we're walking around, and in this store, we'll just say it's a Safeway. I don't know for whatever reason I picture it as a Safeway. We are going to meet a guy named Mikey. Mikey tells this story. This happened back on January 22nd, 2023. Mikey walks into this grocery store. He's a 19-year-old young man. He's just in there to pick up a couple things, almonds probably. When all of a sudden... He sees someone wearing a white lab coat. Well, to be specific, at first he just says a white coat. So I don't know, this could have been like a big white windbreaker. It could have been a white puffy coat. I don't know. But he goes, he, I, he goes that this guy walked by, I think it's implied that he's walking by in a white lab coat. Because once Mikey sees this guy walk by in the white lab coat, he has this thought. That's what I want to do. That's what I've always wanted to do. So I'm going to start following. It's so, funny. it's so funny what people post online. It's so funny. I've said my share of crazy stuff, right? I get it. 
I sound like a lunatic when I talk about my personal stories. I sound like a lunatic when I talk about anything, but definitely the stuff I've been through. Shadow men and seeing demonic clowns and all that. I'll put those episodes in the show notes, but anyway, what people post online. He said he started following this guy wearing this lab coat in the middle of this grocery store. And, and, and you're wondering why, right? You're wondering why he would do this. He said, quote, I casually kept following this person around because my goal in life is to be either a doctor or a scientist. And to be fair, I think the only thing that connects those two is the white coat. I don't think there's I really don't think there's anything else that connects a doctor to a scientist. I guess medicine is science, sure, but anyways, anyways, uh, that's not the craziest part about this. He said, quote, I casually kept following this person around because my goal in life is to be either a doctor or a scientist. Not specific a biologist, I don't know. Social scientists don't wear lab coats. Okay, I'll stop getting hung up on that, okay? Uh, My goal in life is to be either a doctor or a scientist. So seeing someone in a white coat caught my attention. And you could go, okay, this guy's 19 years old. He's probably in college or going to, hopefully, if he wants to be a scientist. He's like, nah, I'm I'm just going to try to figure it out on my own. (laughs) I I got a test tube set from the hobby shop. I'm a scientist. He starts following this guy around. So maybe, like, I've walked up to people who, like, I walked up to a news reporter one day. She was having yogurt. And I, like, was like, hey, I want to, I want to do news. I want to do news. (laughs) I'm walking up to her. I'm like, I want to do news. Tell me the news. I want to do news. I said, hey. I go, hey, I've seen you on television. You do a lot of good work. Um, I like to get into, I was a journalism student at the time. And I told her that. And I said, She's like, yeah, swing on down anytime. You know, we'll hook you up with an internship. I never went. I never went. I was too busy out punching people in the face and smoking weed to actually do anything back then. But, I mean, I could see that. I could see people living that life, like wanting to be a scientist or a doctor, and then seeing a doctor and be like, hey, how did you become a doctor? <laughs> like they sit you down they go through five or six years of everything they've learned you're like oh, i just came in here to buy some almonds but now, now my brain is overwhelmed i know everything about doctoring you can figure that maybe he's gonna walk and be like hey what laboratory do you work <laughs> what laboratory and or hospital do you work at he's like what he sees this guy walk by in a white lab coat he's always wanted to be a doctor or a scientist so then he starts following him and you think maybe to ask him how did you get into that But this goes on for a while. (laughs) And here's the thing. He's following, Mikey's following this guy through the store. And at one point, the guy turns. And Mikey realizes that it's his doppelganger. Mikey now sees an exact copy of himself in a white lab coat, shopping, in front of him. Well, technically, he's been stalking him, so he'll always be in front of him, but he catches a glimpse of his face, and he goes, listen, we have the same skin tone, the same height, same glasses, same face as well. 
I probably would have started with that one if I was describing it. I go, yeah, I saw my exact double. We had the same skin tone. They're like, what? A lot of people have your skin tone. Oh, don't let me. Don't interrupt me. We also had the same glasses. They're like, what? Those, those, those glasses look terrible on you, Mikey. Those are, the, those are the worst fashion choice you've ever made. You would say, I saw a doppelganger out of the store. He had my exact same face. That's how you would start it off. You wanted to start being like, we had the same watch. It was a swatch watch. And you look alike. You have the same face. And he goes, we were exact duplicates except weight. He was a little bit chubbier than I was. Apparently, Mikey's kind of a thinner guy. So when he got a look at this guy's face and realized it was exactly him, he decided, Mikey goes, I got to follow this guy around even more. Now, remember, this guy in a lab coat just walked in to buy some stuff. He buy some science stuff. He went to the test tube section. He's buying baking. He goes and he buys baking soda and vinegar. He's like, oh, all my science shopping done for this week. Mikey now realizes that not only is this a guy in in one or one of two of his dream jobs, right? He's employed as either a doctor or a scientist, but also it looks just like him. So now Mikey goes, I want to follow him around even more. Which is kind of hard because I was already stalking the guy. I didn't know I could want to stalk someone even more. If you think that the mystery has been solved. If you think that this story has already had too many twists and turns for you, and you're like, Jason, seriously, if there's one more, I'm going to have to shut off the podcast. Mikey realizes that this doctor slash scientist shopping looks exactly like him, same skin tone and everything. Then, this would be a little trippy. I guess I'm kind of, this would be weird. Because Mikey goes, as I'm watching him put stuff into his... At this point, Mikey's not even shopping anymore. He's just, like, walking around, stalking this guy. He goes, as I see as I see my doppelganger putting stuff into a shopping cart, he is buying... He's buying some Coke Zero. And Mikey goes, that's my drink. He says it right in his ear. He pops up from behind a display. He's all, that's my drink. Mikey goes, I drink Coke Zero too. He thinks it. He doesn't say it. I wish he had. That would be so funny. If you're a guy in a lab coat, you're walking around, you don't realize you're being stalked. You go to grab some Coke Zero and all of a sudden a guy jumps up and goes, that's my drink. And imagine the shock as a doctor scientist to turn and see your doppelganger. You see a skinnier version of you with no white lab coat jumps out from behind the display and goes, that's my drink. I wish that's how the story ended. Unfortunately, it doesn't. You would think, oh my God, my cloning experiments worked. Mikey goes, that's my drink. And he realizes this has to be my doppelganger. I would say that's pretty good evidence too because nobody drinks Coke Zero. That stuff's disgusting. I'll drink a diet. I'll drink a warm diet Coke. Before I'll drink a Coke Zero. And I've tried drinking a lot of Coke Zero. It's gross. This episode's sponsored by Pepsi. But anyways, Coke Zero is disgusting. No, I'll, I'll die on that hill. It's gross. Anyways, Mikey's like, this has to be me. Who else would possibly drink this sludge? So now the white lab coat dude is getting into line to buy his groceries. And Mikey is getting in line too. The tension, you can feel the tension building. And 
what happened was by the time they started ringing up Mikey's items, the lab coat man had already got all of his stuff rang up. And Mikey's like totally sweaty. He's like, oh, come on, man. Hurry up, hurry up, cashier. Hurry up. Don't you see that guy looks just like me? Cashier's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Being extra slow. He's part of the conspiracy. He's like, oh, you can't know that that cloning facility exists. Uh, price check on this 98 cent peanut butter, please. Mikey, because of the inefficiency of the teller, and also because of the way shopping lines work, right? Like, Mikey, I hate to break it to you, the first person in line, you're following this guy. Of course that guy's going to check out before you. Like, what did he think would happen? They would merge into one person, and their carts would just combine into one mega purchase? No, of course he's going to leave. You're in line behind him. So he loses sight of his doppelganger. He finally gets all of his stuff. And he now looking and the man in the white lab coat is gone. And Mikey's like, no, what happened? Mikey is asking the Internet, what could this mean? Like, what are the chances of me seeing someone who looked exactly like me, skin tone and all, buying Coke Zero, wearing my dream job? How, what could this possibly mean? And it's interesting because... The advice, this was posted online by, his his name is Real Klanos. Sounds like a clone's name. But the advice online was pretty much 50-50. Um, you should have said something. You should have said, don't we look alike? Isn't this weird? Don't we look alike? Probably <laughs> don't add the, isn't this weird part, especially in such a weird high-pitched voice. I've walked up to people before. I was at a restaurant once at Chili's years ago. I walked up to some guy and it's like, hey, we look alike. Look at us. Look at us. I was with a, I was with a group of friends. I was with a group of friends. And he was with these two girls. And I go, dude, that guy looks just like me. And then my friends are like, yeah, he kind of looks like you. I was like, no, dude, he totally looks like me. Like, he totally looks like me. And you guys are going to hate You guys are going to hate me for this story. Basically was a, a jerk. But then, like, I was like, I'm going to go say something to them. And they're like, okay, my friends are used to me just flying off the handle, especially back then. We're in the middle of this Chili's. I walk, and I go, don't we look alike? I was talking to the two girls and him. I'm like, don't we look alike? Don't we look alike? And the girls are like, yeah, kind of. And he's like, no. And I sit down on the booth next to him. Like, I'm sitting on the booth with him now. And I'm, like, making our faces almost touch. And I was like, see? Look at us. Look at us. We're the same. We look the same, don't we? Dude, he was so mad. I don't know if he was spitting game or what, but I mean, technically there were two girls. There was one for each of us. You don't have to be selfish. We look alike. And yeah, so anyway, I've done that. I, 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 that, but see, that wasn't creepy. That part wasn't creepy. That was just me sitting down next to a total stranger. <laughs> I keep saying, look at us, look at us. Like it's a Rick and Morty sketch, but this took place back in like 2002. So yeah, you could say something. Don't don't be creepy about it. You could say, "Hey, isn't that weird? We look alike." Also, nice jacket. What do you do for a living? You don't have to be creepy about it. You don't have to rub your body up on them. But the other people were saying, "Just don't be creepy. Just don't follow people around at a grocery store." But this raises an interesting question because what if this was? I mean, the most likely explanation was this just guy that looked like him, right? Not a doppelganger, not a clone or a time slip or something. But what if it was? What if this guy, the reason why he was wearing his lab coat, because he was a time travel scientist and he 
finally, he's like, he's like, I've always wanted to go back in time and see what Safeway was like in the year 2023. So he goes back in time and he's walking around. Or maybe not even that dramatic. Maybe he just, maybe he doesn't know he's in an alternate reality. Maybe he leaves the laboratory, he's like, turns on the device and he's like, ah, oh, I need to go buy some Coke Zero. It's all warp in reality. He's like, ah. And then he doesn't realize anything's different. And then he comes to our reality and everything's exactly the same as his reality, except there's two of him here. Or one of him already here. And it's interesting that the one in the lab coat was heavier. Because that would show like different lifestyle choices. Like one in an alternate reality, our reality, the guy just <laughs> he consumed nothing but Coke Zero. He's like, literally, that's my drink. That's all I drink. But then you have a guy coming from an alternate reality. He's a little heavier set. And maybe he came here and he goes, wow, what's this? Coke Zero? In my world, everything's exactly the same, but we don't have Coke Zero. I'll try this out. I'm going to take this back to Universe 1197. And he does. That's why he disappeared. And technically, technically, he didn't say he disappeared in the ending. Mikey just couldn't find him. I'm sure he just got in his car and drove away. I don't think it was paranormal. But it is interesting. You could look at it. Here's the thing. This was, this was, a, this was a crazy guy stalking a doctor slash scientist. Through a story, that's the most likely explanation. But in the world of the paranormal, you do have to open it up. And in that situation, had he said, hey, dude, we look alike, that could have cued in that lab coat guy to turn and go, we do. We do. And also, I've been experimenting with alternate dimensions. Which, at that point, you would think that's the crazy guy. The stalker's like, uh, okay. See you later, buddy. Interesting story, nonetheless, for one of two reasons. One, proof of alternate realities or time travel, or two, <laughs> proof that you're not safe anywhere. Wherever you go, there's a chance that someone's stalking you. Even at a restaurant, even at a Chili's restaurant, you might be enjoying a delicious meal with two beautiful women, and all of a sudden a dude starts rubbing his face against yours going, don't we look alike? Don't we look alike? I wasn't drunk either. I was totally sober. I was just sitting in the chilies with my friends. Guy, don't we look like gutter? Let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the carboner copter. We're leaving behind this Safeway. I wonder if he'll run back into him because if it's like a neighborhood grocery store, that's definitely possible. Maybe we'll get a part two. <laughs> Out of all the stories we cover on this show, that's the one we get follow up to. Gutter, I'm going to touch the keys of the carpenter copter. We're leaving behind Safeway or whatever grocery store this was. Fly us all the way out to good old Florida. <laughs> Specifically, this takes place in Dade City, Florida. The year is 1924. We're about to meet this little girl named Evelyn Went. She's seven, and she's a student at the Holy Name Convent School. I'm assuming that's like a private religious school. I don't think in any way, shape, or form that's a public institution. But what's interesting about this school is apparently there is a science building on the campus. So think about that for a second. Like, I I, grew, I went to a private uh, Catholic school for a couple of years. And there's like science classrooms, sure. But this place had a science building. And that's not the main point of the story. It's not, isn't that weird? Have a nice day. 
But there's a science building on campus, so they must have been doing some pretty advanced stuff. Like, I don't know if it's K through master's degree. I don't know if they just had uh, the middle school students or the elementary school students or whatever doing some advanced science. But there is a science building on campus. But Evelyn's not worried about that. Evelyn's playing in the playground. She doesn't care about all those beakers and stuff hanging out in there. She wants to have some fun. So she's out on the playground. And all of a sudden, she gets blinded by a bright light. And as her vision's slowly returning, she sees a strange egg-shaped object sitting on the grass in front of her. I wonder if this was a Saturday, because there's no there's no other witnesses to this. I don't know if she was just playing at this playground all to herself. But she does see this egg, this egg object, egg-shaped object. And it opens up, and emerging out of this egg is a bunch of... Th- this story's weird. Like, yeah, I'm just kidding, trying to, to put it in a word so I can tell it to you. It's so weird. Little girl all alone, blinding white light, egg. It opens up and outpour dozens upon dozens of aliens. She says there's so many she can't even keep count. They keep moving around as well. They're walking around, they're bumbling around. And if that wasn't weird enough, right? which I think I think that definitely would classify as weird enough. Hey, yeah, today I was at school on a Saturday of all things, and an egg showed up, and these aliens popped out. The way these aliens looked, and this was in 1924 too. So people, I mean, you are aware of science fiction, Jules Verne and H.G. Wells stuff like that, but it definitely wasn't a mainstay of pop culture. Out of this egg hop, not just regular old aliens. But robotic flowers. She said, and this is the only way that a kid could, you know, really put this in words. They look like cartoons. She goes, they look like cartoons. She goes, their bodies were mechanical. The way that their joints fit. The way that they were kind of walking around. They weren't like tin soldiers. But she could just look at them and tell that their bodies were artificial. Artificially constructed. Their heads were like... A flower, like a sunflower, right? Daffodil or something like that. Where the center, the bud of the flower is where there were two eyes and a mouth. And then you had the big yellow petals of the flower all around its head like a lion's mane. Like something you would see in a cartoon. She sees these robotic flowers jump out of this egg. There's so many of them and they're moving around so rapidly she can't keep track of them, and she says, to put things in perspective, probably should have explained this earlier, it's not the size of an egg. The ship is the size of an egg, and all these little guys popped out. But the robots, she is taller than these robots. She's taller than the flower robotic aliens. But not by much. She's She's not towering over them, but she's definitely taller than them. So we'll say maybe a foot taller. So if she's probably seven years old, she's, I don't know, three feet... These things are maybe about two feet tall, and there's a bunch of them. <laughs> you know, your picture, you're like, wait, Jason, I, picture, I was picturing an egg this whole time. You kept saying an egg showed up. I was picturing it all small, and now you're telling me they're two feet tall, bro. You gotta, you gotta describe this stuff. 
so I can picture it. You're like, man, you have to pause the podcast. You're like, wait, what? What's going on? Why he's just casually talking about flower robots and goes, oh, yeah, they hop out of an egg, but they're two feet tall. You're like, ah. Anyways, two feet tall, big egg. It was, a, it was an egg-shaped object. I only called it an egg once or twice. I only explicitly said it was an egg. It was an egg-shaped object. It was big. I hope you pictured a big one, because otherwise... You're super confused right now, and you have a headache. Anyways, these two feet tall... I don't know if they're exactly two feet tall, but they're a little bit shorter than a human girl. Seven-year-old girl. They're walking around. <laughs> you're all pausing it. You're all looking it up. You're like, I'll just read the article at this point, bro. I'll see you tomorrow. Um, these robots get out, and they're walking around, and they're carrying something that Evelyn... She used two words to describe it. She would say the word device. But she also felt that it was a weapon. She felt like it was some sort of cannon. Now, a child in 1924 would be aware of that. Obviously, at seven, she probably would. She would have been alive at the tail end of World War One. I, I think she probably would know what a cannon was, right? If she was seven and it's 1924... She would have been she would have been two when the armistice was signed. She's like, ah, I'm getting breastfed and I'm watching the news. I actually know it would have been like a newsreel. But anyways, she knows what a cannon is. She's seen some Betty Boop cartoons, at the very least. It doesn't explicitly look like an old-timey cannon, but she just gets the feeling that this is a weapon. One, because it kind of looks like a cannon. And two. Because the aliens, these robot alien flowers, tell her that they're on a mission. They are here to destroy the science building. It's interesting to note that before they telepathically told her this. <laughs> probably should have mentioned this earlier. <laughs> probably should have mentioned, I don't know why. It's the, all those almonds go into my brain, all those carbs. Before they told her that, she saw them moving this cannon around. And she realizes, hey, they're smaller than me and that thing's pretty big. I'll help them. I'm going to help them move that. And she walked over to pick it up and it was super heavy. It was too heavy for her to lift. Even though these robots were smaller than her, they they were able to carry this cannon around. And then she gets a telepathic message and they tell her, we're going to destroy the science building. She's like, what? They said that there was work going on in that building that they were specifically sent here to prevent or just destroy. The aliens go, yes, we are going to destroy that building. We're going to stop the work that's being done in there. It cannot be allowed to continue. We need to put it into it. So we're going to destroy the building. Now we don't want to destroy the building, If the work stops in there, we'll let it stand. But we have this cannon, just in case. They didn't use the word cannon, but if you point point a device at a building and say we're going to stop what's going on in there, even if we have to destroy the building, it's a cannon. And then they ask Evelyn, hey, will you help us? If you'll help us stop it, that would be grand. And she, you know, Earth first, right? She says, no, I'm not going to do it. And 
it's this is such a weird story. This is such a bizarre story. It started off weird. It ends weird. They go, will you help us destroy the building? And she said no. They've just unloaded this laser cannon or whatever it is from their egg-shaped ship. There's a bunch of them in there. They're all two feet tall. They just unloaded this cannon. They say, hey, will you help us to stop the work or destroy the building? She says no. They then go, not to screw it. Feelings are like, oh, whatever. We were sent here on this mission to stop the work going on in that building, but whatever. They pack the cannon back up into the egg-shaped ship. They all climb back on board, and one of them says, Evelyn, we're going to come back in 35 years, and we're coming back for you. Now, I don't know if it was, like, sinister like that. I would take that as a threat. Or the flower robot, the like, the last one, everyone else is on the ship, goes, in 35 years, we're going to come back for you, Evelyn. Which is still kind of creepy, right? But I don't know if it was a threat or if they wanted to visit her again. I don't know. But all the aliens, she doesn't know. Now, the reason why, like, we don't know what the tenor of that conversation was at the end, or really in any of it, right, is that the story took place in 1924, but Evelyn did not start telling this story until 1974. So 50 years had passed. Now, definitely enough time had passed that the aliens said we'd be back in 35 years for Evelyn. She never encountered these things again. Ever. Which is an interesting note. We'll put a little pin in that for right now. But the aliens say we'll be back in 35 years. She never saw him again. Now it's 1974 and she begins telling the story. She, I think it gets originally reported in like a local newspaper or a UFO author picks it up. And you'll find this story. It's not super well known. It's not a super well known story. It's known as the Dade City Flowers. And you'll see it on obscure ufo websites and when i'm reading it i go it's an interesting story it doesn't make a lot of sense because the aliens didn't do what they came here to do they lied they said uh we'll come back in 35 years they didn't show back up there's not a lot of primary sources on this story like i'm reading just random websites. I'm reading obscurinlegend.fandom.com and ufology.patrickgross.org. I'm not saying those are bad websites, but they're definitely not mainstays in the paranormal community. I mean, those sites are good enough that I found this story on there, but I go, is the story real? Because generally when you find a story on fandom.com, I don't know if it's some D&D character which has happened before. I was redoing an episode on demons once, and I was like, oh, dude, this is totally awesome, man. What? This guy can get killed with a level 18 sword? I can't wait to talk about this. And I did all this research, and I realized it was some dude's homebrew campaign. This is a true story. I didn't end up doing the episode. But I found all these really cool demons, and I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Oh, this is gonna... And it was just, like, made up. Totally made up. What's interesting about this story, again, we never know how much of this stuff is true. I wasn't able to find the original news article. 
I just find people talking about an interview that Evelyn Went gave. So I tried doing a little more digging. And interestingly enough, this isn't proof that this story happened, but it's more proof than we get for a lot of these things. I found Evelyn Wentz, or a Evelyn Wentz, obituary, in Florida, born July 14th, 1918. So that would put her around six years old, depending on when her, when the story took place. We just have, you know, the year 1924. That's around the right age, right? She died. She lived to be a hundred years old. She died June 25th, 2019. Um, I think she probably did give an interview at some time telling this story. So I think that she existed, and I think she really had this encounter. I don't think this is something completely made. It's possible. We've been fooled before on this show, but I do believe that she had this encounter. I do believe she gave an interview with the local newspaper, and I do believe that it's out there. It's one of those stories that's so weird, it doesn't gain traction in the UFO community. It's so bizarre. That's an interesting thing. They said they'd be back in 35 years. She never saw them again. And it's interesting, too, because she said the science building never blew up. The science building stayed there. I'm wondering, too, like, again, there's so many details we're missing. I couldn't find the initial news report, but they could have been aiming it off campus. But, <laughs> like, Jason, are you making me picture the school differently? Come on, just wrap it up. The science building may have been a couple blocks away for all I know, but. She goes, the science building never blew up. She goes, it did eventually fall into disrepair and then just kind of crumble away. You guys know, like, a, a house or a property that's not being kept up. She goes, eventually, I guess they just stopped doing science. It was the science of keeping a building in one piece. And they shut down. She goes, it just fell into dis disuse over the years and just kind of, you know, it wasn't anything dramatic, which, again, is an interesting Thing these aliens traveled from somewhere, whether it's as simple as crossing dimensions or crossing the stars to stop the science going on in that building, and then they're just like, ah, never mind. I mean, the story is just so interesting. <laughs> they just leave. Fascinating story, and it's again, it's too weird. We that's why I love to highlight this stuff because we always talk about the Greys and these huge conspiracies with reptilians and these galactic federations and all this stuff and while that stuff is fun and it's part of ufoology we can't forget the weird ones either you just can't i mean if, if you're going to look at this as a phenomenon you got to look at the weird stuff too. you got to look at stories about robotic flowers walking around on an intergalactic quest to destroy a building and then they just <laughs> just forget it oh, never mind we're just gonna leave because that's part of the phenomenon as well. It's a fascinating story and we can't ignore it. As weird as it is, it is part of the phenomenon. It's just a reminder of how weird the world can actually be. And it's stories like this that just remind me of all the unknown stuff still out there. All the obscure stories out there so we can continue to discover the world of the weird. And let's do it together. Lon, wishing you the best. Everyone out there, I wish you the best health as well. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great week.